what's going on everybody good morning happy monday welcome back um if you're in here now pop on in let me know how you guys is uh Mother's Day celebration went. What did you guys do for your moms and for your, you know, your wives, your significant other, your baby mama, whatever? So let me know. What's up, Bobby? How's it going? Uh, so we got lots to talk about Monday morning. A lot of things to talk about. Um, first of all, Clubhouse um, finally opened for Android users. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, you know, the uh, audio drop-in chat scene what's happening with that you know all that good stuff with clubhouse we're going to be talking about how how apple air tags have been kind of compromised a little bit about that i'll have those articles pulled up so you guys can follow along with me um also going with apple um more than likely going with their own 5g modem chips uh at the earliest of uh 2023 by minchi kuo who pretty much um suspects that's going to happen uh talk a little bit about the um the venom let there be carnage i saw the trailer to it obviously i can't show the trailer because you know small youtubers get dinged by youtube but you know it's it's okay it is what it is you guys can see the the trailer afterwards or you guys probably already saw the trailer but we'll talk about it a little bit and um yeah so (laughs) oh man what a crazy morning oh let's see what's what's happening here I am sick all weekend. I requested a substitute teacher today to fill in for me. Uh, I'm going to go to the doctor's. Oh, man. Well, I hope you start feeling better soon. I know I know that's got to suck to, uh, you know, to get sick and everything like that, especially nowadays, you know, going to the hospital, seeing a doctor, you know, people going there for not feeling well. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a tough situation. A bit nerve-wracking to go to the hospital, really, honestly. Um I have a fear of going to hospitals. <laughs> Even going to um, to doctor's appointments, I have. I have. Um, it's a bit nerve wracking for me. But um, anyways, so uh, you guys probably saw those who follow me on Twitter probably saw my tweet last night. I'm not BSing anybody. I actually cracked the Pixel Five screen. It's really, really, really sad. Uh, currently, right now, I switched over. I'm using my Pixel Four. Um, it's still usable, the Pixel 5. I can still use it if I wanted to. Um, a cracked display kind of irks me a little bit, but it's still usable. It's spider cracked all the way. Like, it's spider cracked in the top right corner, and the crack just runs all the way down the screen itself. And here in my city, we do have um, a You Break, I Fix shop, which is certified to repair Google Pixels. And I got a quote online on how much it's going to cost to replace the screen for the Google Pixel 5. And it's $219.99 to replace that screen. And that's before taxes and fees. Um, so I'm looking at a good possible maybe $250. Yeah, that kind of sucks. <laughs> I miss my students a lot. I, I don't want it to be COVID. I will miss two weeks. There'll be two weeks left with my students. Yeah, because summer's coming up, right? So there's only like two weeks left um, within school. Um, yeah, I know that's, that's, that's got to be tough. And you sound like a really good teacher, man, because the teachers that I had growing up, <laughs> they really didn't miss the students like that. So for you to say that, you know, you're going to miss your students a lot, you know, because, you know, they're going to be passing on, going to the, to the next grade next year. So um, 
obviously you know you'll probably see them in the halls but they, they won't actually be physically in your class i mean I, I know that teachers build a lot of relationships and to me personally i feel like that in this generation today teachers don't get enough respect um i see lots of videos that go up online on on like you know how students are with the teachers i mean i don't know i don't know what grade you teach um but you know i see like you know um some teachers is getting you know not the respect that they that they deserve you know so it's a hard job you know teaching is a hard job uh because you're 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 having your whole skill set is based upon the fact that you're going to be expanding minds you're opening minds to you know to new thought processes and stuff like that uh, i made uh two weeks of sub plans uh that's cool so you get you get your you get your students in your class all up to uh to those spots where they need to be at so that way right now i'm having a hard time with my oldest daughter my oldest daughter for some reason does not want to go to school <laughs> she usually likes school but this last couple of weeks she's been crying every morning that i wake her up for school you teach nine you teach ninth and tenth and eleventh oh theater wow <laughs> that is awesome that is awesome i bet your class is fun as hell Start the morning off right with a little bit of green tea. Okay, all right. Um, so we will kind of drop the background here for a sec. Remove it off there. Um, all right, so let's kind of go into this whole AirTag fiasco. I think this is actually pretty interesting. And a lot of people reporting on like how AirTags have been compromised and, and whatnot. And this article pretty much popped up and kind of caught my attention here. So I was just kind of skimming through it. But this is from Mac Rumors, okay? So MacRumors.com. Um, you know what? Just for just for shiz and gigs, let me go ahead and just drop this in the chat. Anyone can go back and pretty much um, take a look at this later on if they want to. So let me just post that there. Coffee, good morning to you. Good, sir. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the podcast. How's it going? Okie dokies. So we got Mac rumors right here. Let me go ahead and just kind of go over a brief synopsis of this. So it says AirTag successfully hacked to show custom URL in lost mode. The inevitable race to hack Apple's AirTag item tracker has reportedly been won by a German security researcher who managed to break into the device's microcontroller and successfully modify its firmware. They post the link um, to um, the uh, Twitter and hang on, my son's coming in here. What's up, buddy? Oh, bless you. Good morning. Um, do you want popcorn this early in the morning? Don't you want like a granola chewy bar? Do you want popcorn? <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Hang on one second. Dad duties. Bless you. Did you sleep okay? Yeah? You look really sleepy. You sure you don't want to get an extra couple hours of sleep? No? All right. Go ahead. Love you, buddy. <laughs> it's funny because he looks like half asleep. The first thing he went for. He loves popcorn. Uh, he wants popcorn for a snack. So he watches his morning cartoons with popcorn. Like he goes to the movies and stuff like that. So, um, hey, Baby Yoda, what's going on, man? Welcome, welcome, welcome to Monday Podcast. 
Okay, let me get back to this AirTag stuff here, right? So they they, they post a, um, you know, a, the, the, the tweet itself, and it says, yes, after hours of trying and bricking two AirTags, I managed to break into the microcontroller of the AirTag itself. So it continues on to say that Thomas Roth, a.k.a. Stock Smashing, shared his achievement in a tweet and explained that reflashing the device's microcontroller had enabled him to change the URL for lost mode so that it opens his personal website on a nearby iPhone or other NFC-enabled devices instead of directly linking to the official Find My web address, right? Um, so, you know, a, a, bit, a bit interesting there when it comes to that itself. Um, so what were some of the things that, that he had to do to get in there to actually, you know, reflash the microcontroller? So then that way that it opens, like, when you go to try and locate that air tag instead of it locating it, it actually opens his website instead of going to the find my web that, you know, which is uh, the, the find my iPhone thing, right? So they have the tracking website. It, it deviates from the tracking website and goes to a website that he has programmed in into the microcontroller itself. And kind of interesting, but I think with something like this um, has to actually be linked and connected to rather than just, you know, done remotely um, is what I'm assuming here. So we'll kind of go on just a little bit here, uh, a little bit more about it just to kind of see what he did. So there's his uh, his other tweet. And as you can see, he has something hooked up to it. Uh, let's see if we can play this real quick. Okay, so the demonstration. A demonstration. Modified air tag. Okay. So... That's a quick 14-second clip. It says, after uh, confirmed that we reflashed them, the microcontroller, woohoo! <laughs> built a quick demo, AirTag with modified NFC URL. All right, so rather than it actually pulling up the site. So, I mean, you know, obviously here, and you can see he has it connected. There's some wires right here that I'm looking at in the video clip. Um, so it's not something that's going to be able to be done remotely. Uh, and you know, people will probably wonder like, why do people go through these extents to do these types of things? Why is it that when like a new piece of technology comes out, people want to try and see if they can break it. And this is just basically because that way, like Apple and, and other companies are aware of like the vulnerabilities of these things, right? Like we can't just put out technology and say that this thing is going to be foolproof and it's, it's um, not impenetrable. Uh, which is far from that. It, you know, you if you can do this to that, and you know, just imagine some other functionalities that you can do with AirTag itself, right? You know what I mean? Um, because like today, like you know, technology is moving so so far in advance, right? Like today, they actually have NFC business cards. So um, you carry a card on you that has an NFC chip built into it and has information stored on that chip. And if you wanted to share, like say, like your socials. Your, your phone number, your, your other second line phone number and stuff like that. You're going to ask somebody, you know, if, if they have their phone on them, whip out your business card, let them tap on your business card and it opens up a link on their phone and they can follow you on Twitter, follow you on Facebook. They can add your mobile number to their contact list and save it. Like all those things are prevalent in today's technology. These things happen. I mean, I'm actually considering getting one, you know, myself as I'm going to try and market my my youtube channel to go even further like you know i've done the retirement thing i think i'm not really retired you know what i mean like i, I want to see how far i can go with this you know so i'm reinvigorated by 
a lot of the things that's going on with with my social platforms and I'm going to try to expand and, and grow, right? Um, those people who follow me on Facebook have noticed that I've been talking about how my Instagram has grown from a different thing that you know I'm interested in, which is you know comedy stuff and reactions and things like that. And I've been doing that on Instagram and it's been growing. I'm about to break 700 followers on Instagram. I think it was at 691 about 30 minutes ago. And um, so I may break 700 today. Um, so uh, with, with the YouTube side of things, like I really want to kind of grow this and expand it more. So I think, you know, one of the things I will do is create a business card that links my YouTube channel that, you know, links you know, all the things that, that, that I want people to be able to follow me on and to see the content that I create. And uh, that is that's one way I'm going to do it is by having that business card. I meet people in my city here. You know, I help them out with their phone or whatever when they're kind of like, you know, puzzled with their phone and let them know, like, this is what I like to do this is my interest, my hobby. This is my YouTube channel. Tap here. Boom. They can subscribe. Right. You know, build build a fan base, grow and, and, and push forward. So, you know, with these air tags, when you can modify the microcontroller, just imagine what you can do with them on that. You know what I mean? Um you can put that, you know, in anything in a little, you know, like um, like a like a, a daily planner book. You know, you can have it in like one of the pockets or whatever. Just have the person tap your daily planner book, and you know, it opens up a website to something that you want them to go see. I mean, it just creates more functionality out of air tags than just locating items. And um, yeah, so but can this be used for bad? And obviously, so it can. It definitely can. And it's something that, you know, I think that a lot of people are um, kind of worried about as AirTag seems to be the thing that most people are kind of, you know, afraid of. While it is intentionally used to track items and you can even use it to track your kids, you know, by putting it in their backpacks, you know, putting it in their shoe, whatever, a place that you can find that this thing will fit. Um, you know, some people have gotten really creative with the tracking of all when it comes to this, but also people are like more in fear that somebody else can actually use it to stock, uh, which I'll get into in another time. Um, I'm still doing more research on it on like, you know, um, how people perceive this to be in that, in that manner, but also to come up with ideas to help people instead of just explaining to them that, you know, people feel like this thing could be tracked. I also like to try and find methods to be like, this is what you can do to kind of avoid that. That's the idea. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, you know, total craziness, total craziness with air tags. I mean, I already knew that this was going to happen. <laughs> this is absolutely going to happen with something such as that. Um, so yeah, let's get into the next subject at hand here. And um, yeah, this one is uh, coming from TechSpot. All right, so TechSpot really just kind of uh, kind of just letting people know that uh, Google will in fact uh, default everyone's Google account to a two-factor authentication. Um, now, if you don't know what two-factor authentication is or how it works with your Google account, basically, um, when you have a Google account set up and you have your Google account signed into into multiple devices, right? Um, if you were to get a new device and sign in into your Google account, it would actually have to authenticate. So besides you just, you know, putting in your Gmail uh, and then putting in your password, once you hit uh, sign in, it's going to send a code to other devices that's already signed into your Google account that you're going to have to verify through. And the way that that works usually is that you get like a pop-up notification, say like on your other smartphone, tablet, or even your Chromebook. And it's going to say that a device is trying to sign into your Google account. If 
this is you, you know, hit yes. If it's not you, hit no. And if you hit yes, then on the device you're signing into with your Google account, it's going to display three bubbles with three different numbers. And on the device that's already signed into your Google account, you're going to have to choose the correct uh, bubble. Wait, so wait, the one you're signing into, sorry, I'm going to scratch that. Let's take it back. So the device you're signing into is going to show a bubble with a number. And the device that's already signed into your Google account is going to display three bubbles with three different numbers. And the one that's signing into, you have to, like I say, if it's like, you know, 71. And then on the device that's signed into your Google account has 33, 71, 18. You have to choose the correct one to prove that it is you. So that way it will complete the sign-in process for the device you're signing into on your Google account. That is two-factor authentication. And most people have this turned off, right? Only a very few people have this actually turned on with their Google account. But now Google is going to default this no matter what. Um, and so we'll find out some explanations here. This is from the site um, techspot.com. And it says, your Google accounts will soon default to two-factor, to two-step verification, right? Uh, and it says, in a nutshell, uh, World Password Day was last Thursday. And in honor of the day, Google announced that it would soon make two-factor authentication default for all Google services, services users. Additionally, it will automatically enroll appropriately configured accounts. Appropriately configured means people who already have a recovery method in place, like a secondary email or phone number. So that's actually good to know. Because you do need like a secondary email uh, in case verifications fail through or whatever, then you know you have another place to actually retrieve passwords and stuff like that. So um, that's actually pretty cool. So if, if you don't, if you've never really set up your Google account to actually have um, a recovery number or a recovery email for them to send some sort of authentication that that way in case the other ways of ident of um, proving your identity fail. Uh, then they won't enable this if you don't have that set up. But they'll more than likely give you like some sort of um, notification telling you to set this up so that way they can turn on 2FA. Um, and, you know, to, 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 be, to be quite honest, you know, with your Google account, because it is tied into, into everything that you do uh, on the Webernet, you definitely want to have something like this turned on. Like... Um, is it 100% foolproof, uh, prevent, you know, prevent hacking? Uh, no, obviously not. I mean, there are some sophisticated hackers that can break through. Even if you have 2FA on or um, 2SV, you can have it, you know, pretty much um, you can still get in. But you got to like, be like really good at what you do. Um, and so, you know, when, when you really think about it, <laughs> when you really think about it, like, you know, honestly, still, it does still give some sort of prevent uh, preventative measures. And that's what really kind of counts with this, right? That, that's what that's really what you kind of want out of it. You know, you don't want it. You don't want to make it easy for them to get all your stuff. Um, let's see. That's not a bad thing. Uh, the first subject was totally blah, unneeded things. Oh, you're talking about um, air tags? Well, I mean, you know, I have more people that have watched, so, so maybe blah for you. But hey, that's why there's several subjects here to talk about. But I'm still glad that you're here, though. Um, anyways, so uh, with that being said, um, if you have not set up, you know, two-factor authentication or 2FA um, or 2SV, uh, if you have not, you know, set up, you know, recovery for your Google account, 
uh, might as well get on the ball of doing that. So then that way, this is automatically enabled. But obviously, they're just wanting to have people have their stuff more protected, and especially today. And the way things are going today, you definitely want to have some sort of protection on your Google account. It is the root core of everything that you do. So you definitely want to make sure that you have that on lock. Um, okay. So anyhow, <laughs> let's go into... Uh, this interesting bit of news. I didn't mean the subject, but the subject, oh, the subject. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. I got what you mean. Yeah, sometimes I kind of ramble off. Uh, that's that's me, hashtag ADHD problems. Um, all right, this one's actually pretty interesting and pretty cool itself. And as you guys see, I was reading this earlier too. This is from endgadget.com. Uh, I'll pop this in the chat so you guys can also check it out later too at your leisure time and read more into it because I don't actually read the full article. I mean, I read it already, but I don't go over it completely on here. Anyways, so um, according to Minchi Kuo, and, uh, you know, he's been pretty good at, at, at calling Apple stuff. I mean, uh, Technoid will pretty much tell you guys, you know, because he follows Minchi Kuo um, uh, on socials. And so he knows the... Uh, the percentage of um, speculations that actually turn out to be exactly how uh, it was said. But anyways, um, from Engadget.com reports on this and says that Apple may switch to its own 5G iPhone modems by 2023. Qualcomm will remain it, its 5G chip supplier until then. And this is by the analysis Ming-Chi Kuo. So, um, hey, it says uh, Apple's purchase of Intel's 5G smartphone modems business in 2019 may start to pay dividends in 2023, according to analyst Vincent Quo, who um, in report from Mac Rumors, Apple's first iPhones using its own custom designed 5G chips will appear in 2023 at the earliest, he wrote. If that proves accurate, Apple will rely on Qualcomm to supply its modems for at least a couple of more generations of iPhones, which is basically the next two generations after the uh, iPhone 13. So we're looking at probably the iPhone 16 to launch with its own 5G chip. We predict that the iPhone will adopt Apple's own design 5G baseband chips in 2023 at the earliest. Uh, as Android sales in the high-end 5G phone market are sluggish, Qualcomm will be forced to compete for more orders in the low-end market to compensate for Apple's order loss. Um, the news, uh, The new rumor lines up with the recent Barclays report that acclaimed Apple's custom 5G modems will appear in 2023 iPhones, as Mac Rumor notes. Uh, given the challenges that Apple and Intel had implementing a 5G modem, it's not surprising that it's taking Apple some time to develop its own chip. Uh, Apple currently uses Qualcomm Snapdragon X55 modem in a current iPhone 12 models and is expected to use the X60 and the X65 modems in, the, in 2021 and 2022. Uh, once companies uh, switches to its own modems, it may reduce supply constraints. Thus, on 5G modems, making the technology more feasible to low-end smartphones, according to Quo. So, okay, I just pretty much read the whole article right there. <laughs> but, anyways, um, and so this is actually like kind of a good move or whatever, whatnot, right? Because when it, when it comes to 5G phones today, right? One of the when you think about the construction of a smartphone. And you want to know why a certain price is for a certain phone. You're kind of like left with, your, you know, scratching your head wondering, like, why was this this price or whatever, right? Hardware plays a key factor, right? So the type of chip that's used in the phone, the type of, you know, build of the phone, um, the, 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 the subtle things, you know, like the speakers, you know, the, the camera sensors, like all those make a major play 
in the pricing of what the phone comes out to be when it comes out. Um, usually it is better for a company to design its own chip. And that's not a far-fetched statement because you got to look at, at, at the big G company that's touting Project Whitechapel and that it's using its own custom processing chips in its pixel lineup going forward, stepping away from relying on Qualcomm for its processing chip and, uh, and, and a whole plethora of good things to come out of this, which is obviously longevity for these devices because it's in-house it's in-house chip build means that basically they set the tone of the life expectancy of the smartphone. Now, I'm not saying that Android is definitely like, you know, going to be five-year support on Google Pixel phones. It could still stay at three, you know, so we still got to be prepared to get side-blinded by some sort of quirkiness that Google will do. But it goes to show that companies thrive better when they in-house make their own chips. So for Apple to go and 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 uh, and make their own 5G modems, making them non-reliant on third-party sources, which is Qualcomm, um, is a is a good fit and a good move. Now, when we know when it comes to Apple and how they build things out, they tend to take their time on doing it. One of the reasons why is because they don't ever want to suffer the we release and it fails. You know what I mean? Uh, they had an embarrassing fiasco when it came to the iPhone 6, hashtag Bengate, um, where the uh, iPhone uh, 6 Plus bent where the, um, the the volume control and where the SIM tray was, the um, integrity of the aluminum body itself was, it was compromised. It was weak at that area. So if you put your phone in your back pocket and sat on it, you can easily bend the iPhone 6, uh, 6 Plus. They corrected that in the iPhone 6S, basically giving it more stabiliz- uh, sta- stabilizing that area to withstand stress point, like to strengthen the stress points. So you kind of see where Apple goes with these things, right? The latest version of iOS 14.5 had some had some issues, some very big issues if, if it was left unchecked. And so that's the reason why when iOS 14.5 came out, not that long after iOS 14.5.1 came out. You know, so Apple's very meticulous about the stuff that it puts out, right? They're, you know, hey, it is what it is. You know, you got to appreciate it, especially if you're if you're an Apple user and, and you only use Apple products. You really got to appreciate that. So for them to go and say that they're going to put out a 5G modem uh, in-house and stop using um, other third-party modems, um, that's got to be a good thing because then, you know, again, Apple seizes full control over what it does. And so therefore... You know, it having its own 5G modems basically sets the tone, but it also makes an impact on the market outside of the Apple ecosystem, the Apple realm, right? Because Qualcomm obviously is going to compete for that business. They're going to lose Apple as, as a, you know, being a supplier for the 5G modems to them. So what's, you know, exactly how the article states it. Qualcomm's going to have to try and make up that loss of revenue that they would have gotten from Apple, from Apple purchasing modems from them. They would have to supplement that some other way, some form faction, which means that we'll start seeing a lot more low-end, mid-range, and high-end flagship 5G phones for Android, which is the plan anyways. It is a plan to step forward. Right now, currently, it's mostly flagships that are popping 5G. You got a couple of like high mid-rangers that are popping 5G, but a lot of budget phones being released are still reliant on 4G LTE. And um, so this kind of plays into the, the evolution of 5G with, you know, seeing possibly even, you know, $50, $60 phones with 5G capabilities. Uh, these things are all, you know, that's going to be coming down to pike later on down, down in a couple of years. So to kind of see this, it doesn't really surprise me that, you know, Apple would do this to kind of like 
like force push that that into the realm. I mean, it is what it is. And it's actually a, a good play and a good move. A good move on that part. Um, so big shout out to Apple for that one. And who knows? If, if Apple's modems are really good, are they going to allow it to go outside? That's the question. And to me personally, when I think of that, the first thing that comes to mind is that no. Apple, if, if Apple designs and builds their own 5G modems, I am for sure they are not going to let that modem go to a Samsung device or a Google Pixel. It's going to stay on iPhone only. And um, so that's something that, you know, to be honest with people, that's that's where it's really going to be at. So um, that's actually kind of pretty cool. Um, so anyhow, we got most of that out of the way. Um, last thing to really kind of talk about on the tech side of things is Clubhouse making its debut on Android. Now, you guys know I've been covering, I've been following Clubhouse. Clubhouse has been the audio drop-in chat sensation since last year. Um, really, really kind of boosting its popularity because of the pandemic and so much that even big major, you know, um, social platforms such as Facebook and Twitter are copying and cloning their own versions of what Clubhouse is, right? Twitter has theirs up already at this point. It's called Twitter Spaces uh, and it does exactly what Clubhouse does. Right now, Twitter has it opened up to people that have 600 followers and up. So if you have less than 600, you won't be able to create your own space on Twitter spaces, but you can still join in on other people's spaces and be able to talk. And that's really all it is. It's just an audio group session talk on these social platforms that's also coming to Facebook. Facebook is still developing theirs. And there's rumors that Facebook is developing one for the Facebook app, but also developing one for the Instagram platform. So Instagram will probably have its own version of it too, which doesn't surprise me uh, that it would go that route. And Reddit is already on top of it with their own version of it that is uh, being beta tested by some Redditors right now. So you got Reddit, you got Facebook, you got Instagram, you got Twitter, all those cloning what Clubhouse is. And um, last week, they reported that Clubhouse really lost steam behind it. They really lost steam. There's not a lot of downloads happening, but that's to be expected when an app is exclusive to a particular platform only. And at the time, for an entire year, Clubhouse has been exclusive to iOS only. So if you wanted Clubhouse, you had to have an iPhone. Even if you were like a solid Android user, you had to have an iPhone. And it's still by invite only. So if, even if you sign up for Clubhouse, they will hold a spot for you and they will tell you that they will send you a message to the mobile number that you give to connect to your new account. They will send you a text when they're ready to have you come in as a user, or you can bypass the wait time by having someone that you know that has Clubhouse send you a personal invite to join Clubhouse, and then you can bypass the wait time and have your account set up and be able to get in there and start listening in different clubs and and and, and chiming in and talking with various people all around the world for whatever the subject discussion is. And Clubhouse has a, like a variety of different things, right? So you would think it's like mostly tech people, but it's actually not. There's people in there that do ASMR. There's people in there that do meditation. There's people in there that talk about current events, politics, religion, you know, it's just one of those places where people can get together and when they have that, you know, that, that similar interest, they can get together and have vocal conversations, kind of like a live podcast with a group of people on it. The only difference is, is that this it's not streamed so you can't stream it to Twitter or any other platform. It's not saved. So you can't save a copy of it and upload it on another platform. Once you end 
the the um, the session on Clubhouse, it's ended. Okay, does Clubhouse keep a record of these things? More than likely, but they say it's for a specific amount of time before it's completely deleted off the server, so it's not taking up so much room. But they do hold on to these uh, sessions for a little bit of time, just in case there's some sort of a report and they have to submit it over to authorities for evidence, they have it. Twitter does the same thing with Twitter Spaces. They let you know that they hold on to your space recordings um, for a specific amount of time, and then it's dropped, just in case you know your, your, your Twitter Space session was reported for anything. They hold on to it. So um, you know, with Clubhouse pretty much like you know hitting that point, um, they did the smartest move ever, which a lot of people were kind of like talking about. They were absolutely talking about this. Um, let's get back on there with that. <laughs> it was kind of like dead silent. So anyways, yeah, um, they listened to a lot of people who were weighing in on why Clubhouse was literally just going kaput. And that's because it was exclusive to iOS only. So they just recently opened it up for Android. I have uh, my Pixel 4 signed into my Clubhouse account. I haven't created a, a room yet on on, uh, on Clubhouse, but I'm probably going to. Um, and to be honest, I would prefer to use Twitter Spaces because a lot of people that are friends with me are on Twitter or I use Facebook. Uh, but the reason that I'm choosing to probably go with Clubhouse is because Twitter Spaces has uh, limitations, right? You got to have 600... 600 or more followers in order to start a space on Twitter. So most people that can't start a space on Twitter end up going to Clubhouse and starting one there. And now that it's open for Android, it means that you don't have to go out and get yourself a cheap iPhone just to get yourself in on on uh, on Clubhouse and run it off Wi-Fi only. Uh, now it is open. It's beta for Android, but it's open. Again, the same scenario as it is on iOS. If you go and download the Clubhouse app, and you, you know, go through the signing process, there is a wait in. You have to wait or get an invite from somebody that's on there. Now, I don't have any invites right now to invite anybody in. However, uh, when I do start my own room on Clubhouse and I do a couple of sessions on there, Clubhouse will give me some invites to give out to invite people who have who are waiting to get their accounts built for Clubhouse to just bypass all that and get them in right away so they can start listening. I know some people are going to be like, well, Clubhouse is boring, blah, 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 or it's dead or whatever. Like, I don't know what what people are expecting out of Clubhouse. It's very clear cut and dry. It's not, you know, for it's not for you to get fame. Okay. It's not really in that context, right? If I wanted to, you know, to get, to get stardom and fame or whatever, YouTube is that platform to really kind of do that. Um, Clubhouse is just an audio drop-in chat session. That's really all that it is. And if people are like, well, what can you do with Clubhouse? There are those people out there who are like, I want to pick the brains of Elon Musk. Or I want to pick the brains of John Ledger. I want to pick the brains of like some Fortune 500 CEO that you're a big fan of. And you've seen how they grew a company and just the, you know, the, the market tactics that they use. And you want to be able to pick their brains. Clubhouse is a way that you can do that because these these men and women that are, you know, in the workforce, such as that, at higher, you know, um, at higher levels, 
they go on Clubhouse and they share a bit of knowledge. Like Elon Musk goes on Clubhouse and he talks with people on there and he gives insight to like what he would do in certain scenarios and what he's done that's been successful to him. There are people who, you know, when you see him go on Twitter and they say like, I had a great conversation with Elon Musk and they're like, you know, CH, which stands for Clubhouse. They're not, they're not, they're not BSing anybody. They're not, they're not going to, they're not trying to get clout, whatever that, whatever word this generation uses or whatever it's called. I don't know that that's like an old phrase now. Did they use something else now? I can never keep up with, with this generation's uh, slangs and terminology and stuff, but they're not out there. They're not out there chasing fame, fame or 15 seconds of fame or whatever, whatnot. They really did have a conversation with Elon Musk. Because he's not he's not on Clubhouse looking for other elitists to have conversations with. He's conversating with anybody that's in that Clubhouse room. And, um, you know, a lot of the people who are running the show, you know, those that, that create these rooms and hosts it, they're really good about letting people join in. Like, I popped in Viper's um, Clubhouse room this morning. Uh, he has his Monday... Um, his Monday... Uh, um, you know, coffee time, and and that there's like a group of people in there. Not all of them are, are are YouTubers that are into tech, you know, but they're just like everyday people. And you know, he had like a good amount of people already in um, with with audio capabilities to speak. You know, you have to be given permissions from the host to be able to speak, but you can listen. Um, so I went inside there. I didn't I didn't have no intentions of uh, engaging in a conversation because I wasn't in there from start. So I don't know a lot of the things that they were talking about. That's just, I'm weird like that. But I was listening. So I, I thought, you know, the conversation was really good, you know, and um, they sent me and uh, like, like kind of like an invitation to activate my microphone and join the conversation and speak, you know, and they didn't know who the hell I was. But um, they offered it and they even called it out. Like they were like, they were naming all the people that were listeners. And they were like, if you guys want to join in, just click the raise, you know, click the raise your hand button. And that lets them know that you want to speak and they will open your uh, your ability to speak in that room. And um, they're really good about it. You know, there are a lot of people that's very open about it. I've been in several different rooms. Like I've been in a room that talks about like the best ways to meditate, you know, because I'm trying meditation now. Uh, meditation. Um, physical health, you know, things like that, uh, discussions on, on, you know, food. Like I followed like, you know, the different people that have like a passion for cooking and food, you know, there's a, a, a clubhouse room for soul food. There's a clubhouse room for British food. There's a, there's, a, there's a clubhouse for Thai food. And and you listen to people talk and give recipes and give like tips and tricks and like what they would do uh, while preparing a certain dish. Like I listen to those things. I listen to uh, politics. I listen to religion. I listen to a lot of things on clubhouse. Like, you know, there's, there's a lot of things there. Uh, besides just a group of people getting together, which I know Twitter is trying to uh, replicate something like that. Like you can start a space on Twitter and you can have these same types of conversations on Twitter too. Uh, but Twitter can't do what Clubhouse does as, as far as its user interface because Twitter is built around microblogging. They can't just completely eradicate that from the Twitter app and just have like the, you know, this, um, this uh, thread of just different rooms of people speaking in it because clubhouse that's its main bread and butter that's its core point twitter's core point is microblogging uh facebook's core point is social posting you know like 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 myspace was um reddit is you know uh thread posting 
Yeah. So, I mean, you know, those different services are going to have clone replications of what, what Clubhouse is, but it is not able to like recreate the user interface. Now, some people are like, well, for Twitter, they can just build an entire new app. I doubt Twitter would do that because it's going to defeat the purpose of why they closed Periscope. Periscope was built by Twitter. It is Twitter owned. It's not like a third party app that's given API access to Twitter itself. It is Twitter, but it is a complete different area of what Twitter is and was solely dedicated to live streaming. Now, obviously the company itself implemented live streaming directly from the Twitter app itself, which was the writing on the wall that they were eventually going to get rid of Periscope and just have that natively built in into the Twitter app. And they did so. So for that, for people to say, well, Twitter's probably just going to create its own app spaces. If they did that, it would be a complete waste of time if they did it. And obviously, if they did it, they would eventually kill it and just bring it back in into the Twitter app. Um, so I wouldn't hold my breath thinking that Twitter is going to create Twitter spaces as a separate app with a separate user interface and all that stuff. It's just a waste of time and money for them to do that. So anyways, if you guys want to find me on Clubhouse, uh, right there, that is my username on Clubhouse. That's my username for everything, for Twitter, for Instagram, Clubhouse, right there. And um, if you guys have an idea of like what you guys would love to like have a conversation with on Clubhouse, yeah, um, DM me on Twitter. Let me know some of your guys' ideas, what you guys would love to kind of talk about. And, um, you know, I can start a clubhouse room. I can start, you know, club itself and have, you know, people become members and people that, you know, will, will see it and follow it for the interest. And maybe we can make something grow out of it. In no way is, is that intentionally like, you know, um, yeah, like it's just for people to go and hang out. And like I said, and I've tried it before. I've tried it on the iPhone when I had uh, when I had Clubhouse on the iPhone because like that's that's one thing about Clubhouse too. If you do sign up for the services, and then you can only have it active on one smartphone. So if you have like an Android and an iPhone, and you switch, say you know you go into your iPhone and you you go through the login for Clubhouse for your account on your iPhone, and it's logged in on your Android. The moment that you access logins on your iPhone and you're online on your iPhone, it logs you out on the app. On your Android, so you can't have it simultaneous on various different um, um, devices. Uh, same as Snapchat, you can't do that. Um, so just just know that that if you have it logged in on your iPhone and then you grab your Android phone, you want to try it on your Android phone. The moment you log into your Clubhouse account on your Android phone, your iPhone's Clubhouse app will log you out. So if you click the Clubhouse and open up, it's going to have you try to sign in on your iPhone again. Just letting people know. Um, are there any subtle differences between the Android version and the iOS version? So far from what I'm seeing, the user interface is pretty much the same. Uh, there's not really much of a difference uh, in, in that aspect, but I have to use it more in order to be able to give you guys more of an in-depth uh, thing. The one thing I will tell you guys that will make a big play on it is the fact that uh, what type of microphone your phone uses could you know, determine the audio quality that's put out. Um, is Clubhouse accessible from a laptop? I don't know. I will find that out right now. We'll see. We shall see. So let me just type in Clubhouse and see. They got a website. It says uh, join Clubhouse, drop in audio chat. 
just click it and see what happens. Oh, uh, hey, we're still opening up, but anyone can join with an invite from an existing user. And then it gives you links to either download from the App Store or download from the Google Play Store. So um, no accessibility from uh, Chromebook itself. Uh, I'm on Clubhouse on both iOS and Android. I've been invited to several rooms. The Android version is beta and I love it. Uh, yeah, I haven't followed you yet. Um, Ray sent me an invite to get me in uh, as a new user. So I'm actually in now. I'll find you, Gina, and I'll follow, I'll follow you on there. Um, hey, Maverick, what's going on? Hi, everybody. Wow, the temps have plummeted. We're in the mid-80s this past weekend, and now overnight, it's in the mid-60s today. Yowza. The clubhouse, you say. Sounds sounds like the little rascals to me. <laughs> Maverick, I'll trade you weather, bro, because it's going to hit like close to 100 today here. You want that warm weather? Let, let's trade. Let's see if we can develop the technology to just shift weather around the world. But yeah, a lot of... There's not major differences between the Android version and the iOS version of Clubhouse. And uh, and here's the thing. Smart move by Clubhouse to do it since Clubhouse is the originator of the of the the audio drop-in chat social platform. They got to stay relevant on top. Twitter and Facebook, Reddit, they need to be chasing Clubhouse, not leading it. And plus two, I feel like this type of saturation is actually going to kill the momentum that audio audio drop-in chat platforms is going to have because you got facebook building one for facebook and apparently rumor has it they're building one for instagram and it's like what's the point uh instagram used to this is how bad social platforms have gotten right so if you look at the history of instagram instagram was entirely just a a online social platform for picture like a picture portfolio right you as a photographer can have people go check out your photos by going to your Instagram, and that's what it was. They opened up video recording capabilities so that way photographers can actually talk back with their fans, uploading little short 60-second clips uh, to their Instagram feed. But now that you look at Instagram in the way it is right now, you got Instagram photos, Instagram videos, you got IGTV, a content creator platform by Instagram to challenge YouTube. And then you got Instagram stories, which is a bite off of Snapchat. And then you've got Instagram reels, which is a bite off of TikTok. So Instagram is a Frankenstein of different things. The same as Twitter is a Frankenstein of different things. The same way as Facebook is a Frankenstein of different things. It's no longer what their root thing was. And I know they're doing this because they figured that if they give these types of features, those that go to Clubhouse and those that go to Snapchat and those that go to TikTok will go back to them to keep them relevant because without these features, Facebook is dead on its heels. Facebook hasn't really had a, a, a major impact in the social network space. It just doesn't anymore. There's too much, um, too much uh, negativity, like a negative cloud that hovers over Facebook. I'm not going to get into it in any, any of that stuff. You guys can search that up yourselves. But Facebook has pretty much like really not been on that great. And, and what would you expect when? The, the founder of Facebook and CEO, Mark Zuckerberg, looks like Commander Data from Star Trek. Absolutely has no emotions whatsoever. And me personally, I dislike Mark Zuckerberg, but it's not because of Facebook. It's because of an entirely different thing. If you guys want to hear about my reasons why, let me know. And in a future broadcast, I will talk about why I have beef with Mark Zuckerberg. But I'm warning you guys right now, it has nothing to do with Facebook. Excuse me. 
absolutely nothing to do with Facebook. It's on a totally separate thing. If you guys don't know about that, let me know. If you're watching the replay and you want to know about that, put that in the comment section and I will plan that out. Anyway, let's, move, let's shift away from Clubhouse before I close this out. Let's go on something really, really, really cool. And that is, uh, did you guys catch the trailer for, you know, Venom, Let There Be Carnage? Major tech social media is our censorship. They all are. They absolutely all are. But um, I saw the trailer. You guys know I'm a big movie buff. I saw the trailer. I was kind of disappointed in how Carnage looks. But then again, you'd like to hear it? All right. That's one vote for the the Mark Zuckerberg podcast. Okay. Don't keep that in mind. But when I saw the trailer, I, I obviously I can't show it on here or I'll get demonetized. And um, yeah. And trust me, like monetization on YouTube has gone has gone to hell. Like the totally different subject. But anyways, um, so I can't show I can't show the trailer and react to it, but I, I can tell you guys my reaction to it. It's like it's good, you know. Um Woody Harrelson is playing um uh what's his name? Um I forgot his name. The name that's coming to my head, I know, is not him because that's Muhammad Ali's uh, actual name before you know he legally changed it to Muhammad Ali. What's it? I keep thinking Lee Cassidy too, but I'm not sure if that's it. Someone let me know because I'm I totally brain farted that. Can't remember it. But anyways, um, but he he is the host for the symbiote Carnage, right? And I guess in this, we shall see if Carnage, you know, like Carnage's backstory and stuff like that. Like we'll figure out how that symbiote got to got to that that convict. Doesn't Carnage look like Spider-Man, but just far more horrific and evil? Yeah, this is this is maximum carnage. So so the movie Let There Be Carnage is based on the um, the Maximum Carnage game that was released on Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis. However, it's not really at that point yet, right? So Spider-Man is not going to be implemented into this just yet. This is just going to, I guess, kind of be like the start off of the beef between Venom and Carnage. And I guess it's going to spill over uh, where Spider-Man is going to join the fray. Because at some point, Spider-Man with uh, Tom Holland and Venom, they will collide their their movies will collide to finally bring that epic Venom versus Spider-Man showdown, and um, of course we then will see like Maximum Carnage play out, right? Because um, there's still more development in Spider-Man that they got to do, right? They got to bring Doppelganger, they got to uh, implement that somehow into it. They got to bring uh, Shriek, they got to bring her into it. Um, you know, there's Green Goblin, there's Demogoblin, there's Hobgoblin. They got to bring the goblins in. Um, there's just so many different villains that have to be brought in. And so, um, yeah. And yes, the video game was freaking awesome. Probably one of the, one of the, in my top 10 beat em up games, Maximum Carnage sits at three. It's number three. Oh, I favorite one to play. I will, I have an, um, a Super Nintendo emulator on my Pixel Book and I have the game. I've downloaded the ROM from a website. Can't say what website it is because I don't want them to get taken down. But and I play Maximum Carnage all the time just for fun, and it's so cool because you know you play Spider-Man at first, and when you get to San Francisco, you can play as Venom, and Venom makes his way to New York, and then when you and in each level after that, you can choose to be Spider-Man or Venom, 
and uh, and play the game out. It's really, really cool. Really fun game. If you've never played Maximum Carnage, get the emulator, download the ROM, find it online, download it, play the game. It's awesome. Uh, but Carnage in the trailer, there's not there's not really much to him. I mean, we, we, we see various different things. I and mean, of course, Carnage's, you know, main thing was he made stabbing weapons out of, you know, out of himself. You know what I mean, so he can make like an axe, he can make a spike to impale you, all those things, right? Um, and, you know, when it comes to Venom, and, and I said this, like, I, trust me, I like the movie Venom. I thought, you know, with Tom Hardy, I thought the movie was pretty good. Uh, it's just kind of hard because Venom is Venom and, you know, he doesn't have his Venom uh, logo on him. You know what I mean? Um, but it was, you know, the, the trailer was kind of funny because, you know, Venom is making uh, Eddie Brock breakfast. <laughs> he's just whipping up all kinds of stuff. And then like, yeah, he's like, you know, ketchup. What? He just shoots the ketchup all over Eddie Brock's shirt, you know what I mean? But it, it kind of shows you in the trailer just how Venom and Eddie have bonded, um, even going into the in, in, in into the the bodega, you know, slash um, like the little miniature store where uh, that lady that lady that um, Venom protected when he ate the the, the arm robber. Uh, she's still in the movie, and just. When I see Carnage, I'm just like, okay, so yeah, I guess that would be like a live, a live action version of Carnage would look like that. Because I'm like comparing him to the comic book, which I probably shouldn't do that, but I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of already done it. And I'm just like Carnage. I'm just like, uh, I don't know. But the crazy thing is, is how Woody Harrelson looks in this movie. And you and you you got to tell that Woody Harrelson had to work out for this movie. Like he literally had to condition his body for it to make anyone believe that even with the symbiote hidden inside of him, that he had the ability to to like you know just start punching away at the prison wall. Now already, Woody Harrelson has that face that kind of gives you that that cold, eerie feeling that you know he's insane. Not realizing that his insanity pairs side by side with, with the symbiote Carnage, who happens to be an insane symbiote. And uh, they just go hand in hand together. So really, it's just going to be like a battle between two symbiotes with their two hosts that they perfectly have bonded with. Um, how crazy is that? Uh, I'm just interested in knowing what story are they going to follow with Carnage? Are they going to follow that Carnage is a separation of Venom and that technically Carnage is Venom's son like they've done in the animated series and in some of the comic books? Or are they going to have Carnage completely separate, not being um, an offspring of Venom? Uh, so that we'll have to see. We'll have to see how, you know, how Carnage found the host. We're going to have to see how that happened. Um, did that happen during the time where they uh, had the different samples? Was Carnage one of the samples that was, you know, in the first movie that may have escaped and made its way to that prison? Um, was Cassidy even even uh, one of the the people that they took off the streets as a volunteer to try and and uh, and, and bond a symbiote with a human host body? All that to see, but. Still kind of, you know, kind of nice, though, to see that this movie is coming. I'm just, um, I'm happy to see that the comics that I've read when I was a kid 
are coming into live screen movies. Uh, while I am kind of frowning upon that some of these movies have completely destroyed characters, like trust me, Avengers, Iron Man, Iron Man, great. Robert Downey Jr., phenomenal actor, plays Tony Stark very, very well. But if anyone remembers the actual Iron Man, there's a point where you know he's paralyzed. He's a he's a paraplegic, which is what hid which is what hid him as being known to the world as Iron Man. Uh, because Iron Man could walk, and this is why no one ever believed that Tony Stark could be Iron Man. And then, of course, the other major big thing is is that um, Iron Man, and it was uh, Iron Man three. They brought the suit War Machine, and in an actual comic timeline, War Machine is the Iron Man suit, but um, it was modified with um, machine gun artillery. Um, so the person who dons the War Machine suit actually donned the Iron Man suit that has been hidden for years and discovered by this guy who modifies the suit and takes over it. So War Machine and Iron Man are not supposed to be in the same present timeline. Yet in, in, in the MCU universe, they do fudge and change certain things. You know what I mean? I mean, it happens. I look at Ghost Rider, right? Ghost Rider 1 was too, too animated for me. It was good. I like it. But it was just kind of off a little bit. Um, when you watch Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, you see how they CGI'd Ghost Rider and changed him up and made him look more dark, more real creepy, right? Even his mannerisms and movements kind of look like the special effects they use for like a, a, a demonic possession movie, you know, with those those quick, fast, go stop you know, animation movements that would freak anybody out. Um, so, you, I mean, you, you can see where MCU really tries to correct a lot of its mistakes. But, I mean, the Avengers and Iron Man, that was too big of a, of a mistake for them to go back and try to repair it. And it wouldn't make sense for them to reboot it. Um, that would be completely stupid. Because, to me personally, Robert Downey Jr. killed it as Tony Stark in Iron Man. So, it would be really dumb for them to try and fix that mistake and reboot it like they've tried to reboot Fantastic Four. It just wouldn't make sense. Um... Yeah, so I'm looking forward to uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, which is Venom Part 2. Um, wishful Thinking, if they're going to make a live-action movie, that's going to be really fun to watch. I would really love for them, because I don't know if you guys remember that Marvel used to have the What If series. Like, you know, what if Wolverine stayed with Alpha Flight? Um, just, you know, those. So a What If series that would really love to see the MCU kind of just make a play on would be uh, the Fantastic Four versus the new Fantastic Four. If anyone remembers that comic book series, big thumbs up to you. Um, hashtag 4v4. So like four versus four. So let me know that you guys actually know what that comic book is. If you don't know, I'll gladly tell you right now. There is a comic book series where the Fantastic Four have to square off in a one-on-one -on -one fight with the new Fantastic Four. The new Fantastic Four comprises of the Incredible Hulk, Wolverine, Ghost Rider, and I forgot who the fourth person was. I don't want to say Spider-Man, but I'm leaning towards that, but I could be wrong on that. And of course, you guys know who the Fantastic Four are. Mr. Fantastic, the Invisible Woman, the Human Torch thing. Those are the Fantastic Four. And the new Fantastic Four squares off with the old one. So... Um, it would be cool to see that brought into like, you know, a cinematic live action version movie. I would definitely, definitely big thumbs up that. Um, 
So yeah. Uh, anyways, guys, uh, pretty much hit my one hour mark. So I'm good to go for today. And it is Monday, so I'm not trying to like keep you guys on too long or whatever. Uh, if you guys want to follow me on Clubhouse uh, or any of my social platforms, there's my username right there. Uh, that's how you'll find me on those uh, platforms. If you guys do want to help out the channel with a one-time monetary donation, there's how you can do it. You guys may have saw my tweet that I was talking about um, trying to get my mom back to the U.S. and I posted my cash app on there. And I, I got to tell everybody, I'm not really used to reaching out for help and stuff like that. Uh, before I go quickly, just to explain so people can understand. Um, so my mom, she was she was born in Thailand. She was raised in Thailand. She met my dad. They got married. Um, she applied for citizenship. She was granted, a, you know, U.S. citizenship. She was married to my dad. My dad was in the United States Air Force, so she's now a citizen of the United States. She went back to Thailand uh, to stay there for a while because the things was getting pretty rough up here in the United States. And when you stay in another country, but you don't switch over your citizenship or you don't apply for dual citizen status, which my mom didn't do, uh, you have to pay a visa, a visa fee to stay there. Now, I told you guys... Uh, that you know a year and a half back my mom suffered a stroke a really bad stroke okay she can barely walk um the mobility of her body is very fragile and everything like that and because of the pandemic cities and towns in thailand the people are not allowed to cross others to uh, other uh other towns and stuff like that so my cousin, who usually checks up on my mom, hasn't been able to see my mom in a while. And I, I talk to my mom every day. This is the reason why that I've gone back to Google Fi. And um, yeah, so talking to my older sister and trying to figure out how to get my mom back to Hawaii where my sister's at, because my sister would prefer my mom be there. Um, she has a house. It's much more spacious than my apartment. Um, getting the plane ticket for my mom to come back from, from Thailand to the U.S. is not the problem. But she owes over a year of those visa fees. And, um, yeah, I posted that uh, the goal was to hit 300 because that's how much I'm short on. I'm actually now short by $230. So, shout out to those who, um, you know, donated and helped out i really really appreciate you guys for doing that you know anything counts anything helps a dollar 50 cents doesn't matter you know what i mean you know the last thing i want is for my mom to pass away alone and uh, so i'm doing what i can to try and, and raise that money up you know and to get her back as soon as possible but yeah so i just wanted to kind of clarify that so people kind of understand like you know my severity i want to get my mom back and if you can't help out with anything don't worry about it you know it's it's it's, it's not you know I'm not going to out anybody because, you know, they, they couldn't help, you know, in a time of need or whatever, you know what I mean? It's just, I've never really done this before to reach out and ask for help like that. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a first for me to do that. So I just want to be clear on that. Anyways. So yeah, that's pretty much it for this podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, if you guys enjoyed it, smash the like button because it helps circulate it. Really, really appreciate you guys for being here this Monday. Hashtag Gurn Mondays as we are, the beginning of the week and um i shall see you guys tomorrow so stay blessed be safe out there i love you guys very much and as always peace